0: Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson here on WKXL AM and FM, streaming live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com, where you can find all our shows archived for your binge listening pleasure. We are also a podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. So no matter where you travel in the sanitized air traveling world of ours, you can pick us up on your digital device and take us with you. We're very pleased today to have as our special guest a dear old friend of ours, absolutely one of the premier political strategists and communications experts out there today. He's a partner at top polling and communications firm Global Strategy Group. It's Jim Papa who is coming to us coming to us today from a closet in his home, which is outfitted with special acoustic treatment, the most gorgeous beach towels we have ever seen hung over any door to make sure that his audio is pristine for all our listeners. But let's get back to the real Jim Papa. Before He was at Global Strategy Group. He served as a House and Senate communications staffer, a chief of staff, senior advisor to Democratic caucus chairman Rahm Emanuel, and a special assistant to the president for legislative affairs in the Obama White House. Now, Matt and I got to know him really well because I came into Congress in 2006. Uh, Ram was responsible in many ways for getting me there um, in terms of his strategy and what he put together and his support for my effort. That's a whole other podcast. Um, and Jim was working in uh, that senior advisor role with Ram where he was responsible for helping us, the 2006 class of Democratic House freshmen, um, by providing guidance on message and crisis communications. Now, I could say, luckily, at least when Matt was on board, I never had a crisis. But apparently, that's only because Matt had Jim Papa on speed dial, and between the two of them, they were able to keep me on the straight and narrow, avoiding crises. But Jim also worked on stakeholder outreach, on legislation, and media. Uh, and now, now to 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 continue this fabulous career, he's the host of his own sensational must-listen new podcast called Staffer. Um, and there is nobody who is better better able to talk about the triumphs and tribulations of being a staffer other than Matt Robeson, other than it's Jim Papa. So Jim, welcome to Off the Record.
1: Thank you so much, Paul uh, and Matt. First of all, that introduction is by far the best introduction I've ever gotten in my life. So thank you. Um, I hope you can hear me well because I have outfitted this with my best beach
0: towels. Yeah, they're really good looking. They're multicolored. And uh, as I said, you know, beach towels is acoustic treatment allows you to take a shower, jump into the closet and dry yourself off before your podcast. That's right. It's
1: from my old advanced days. You got to solve
0: problems. It's, it's perfect. Now, Jim, you've had, you've had an extraordinary career so far, and, and you're still only in like the third inning. Um, what got you to the, to, to, to being a staffer in the first place? I mean, uh, I met you in 2006, and you know, we never, we we're all so busy that we never said, so what was your life like before? How did you get here? How did, how did Rom find you? Because, I mean, it struck me that Rom wasn't the easiest guy to work for. I mean, he certainly was not the easiest guy to to even talk to. I and I'll just tell you one one quick one quick behind the scenes story. It was I I I had run uh, unsuccessfully for Congress in 2004. Um, and uh, had run a, a, a genuinely um, exploratory race, shall we say. That's I'm being as kind to myself as possible. And I went down to visit Rahm in 2006 um, when he was chair of the DCCC. I went into the office. He was sitting behind his desk. He looked up briefly, and, he, and I said, hi, Rahm, I'm Paul Hodes. He said, I know who you are. Go raise a million dollars and come back when you've done that. And so, you know, that's that. That was that. That was the conversation. It sounds like Rom. Yeah. And I and I did, but 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 he also used an expletive, which I won't repeat on the air because um, of, of the uh, of the media rules. So, but but and that and that was Rom. So, how'd you get there?
1: Yeah, I uh, first I I will say I was tremendously lucky to find this career because despite. I grew up in upstate New York, a small town outside of Binghamton, New York. Uh, my parents were teachers, and they were politically involved. You know My mom would collect signatures for the Democratic Party, that sort of thing. Um, we were not a political family, but we didn't have people running for office or you know that sort of thing. Um, I was an avid reader of Time Magazine. I was involved in student councils and student government, you know, from an early age in, in high school and college. And yet, despite all of that, I was too dense to recognize about myself that this even was a career path or that I would love doing it. I, when I was in college, my junior year, I spent a semester down here in Washington. Uh, I interned at CNN And then I interned for Senator Moynihan of New York that following summer. And I came away from both of those experiences thinking, ah, I don't really love the media and I didn't really love Capitol Hill. So when I went back to college for my senior year, I hatched a plan with a buddy to travel Europe, you know, with backpacks the following summer. And so whenever anyone would ask me that stressful question, oh, what are you going to do next year? I just said, I'm going on a great trip and this is what I'm doing. And it was a great trip, but I came back with no money and no job prospects. And I was living back at my parents' house and lifeguarding again, like I had uh, in high school, riding my bicycle to the pool with a towel, a beach towel around my neck. Um, I, I, somebody found my, my resume online, okay? In the dawn of the internet era, somebody found it in a resume bank and it was with a campaign in Connecticut. I interviewed for the finance director job and I got it. And the, uh, the way that the job offer came to me was something along the lines of, hey, um, you're gonna need to move to Connecticut immediately. Are you gonna stay on the floor of a campaign supporter? Uh, It's seven days a week, the pay is next to nothing. You gotta bring your own car and the guy's gonna lose. Do you want the job? And I was like, yes, anything to get me out of where I was. And I went and I had a blast. And I, I just really loved that campaign. Everything came true, the guy lost. Uh, so I had to find another job and my resume looked like a political resume. I knew how to use the, the, the Metro in Washington. So I moved here and just started, you know, knocking on doors and eventually a job opportunity and I intersected successfully. And I, I started uh, on the Senate side in, in Senator Daschle's leadership structure. So that's you know, how I got there. That
2: really just mirrors. I, I mean, that, that just sounds, I mean, I don't know that there's a prototypical path, but it really mirrors the experience of so many of us who sort of found our way into this staffer career track. And that's actually a great segue into the podcast. So we're recording this on September 3rd. Uh, the very first episode just dropped this morning. I'm almost done with it. It's, it, it is as spectacular as Paul uh, laid out. Um, and I'm, by the way, I'm so jealous. I'm, I'm actually a little mad at you that you thought of this idea. It's such a great idea. It's, you know, for listeners... I really hope that you will check this out and subscribe. It's like if you like The West Wing and you like seeing behind the curtain, how things get done, what people's lives are like in these super high pressure, high stakes jobs. The mix of like the drudgery and the glamour. This is the podcast for you. So, what motivated you to do this podcast? I mean, you know so much about politics from the inside. Um, you know, when you decided to relate some of that publicly to the to the wider world. Um, why do it through the lens of the stories of staffers?
1: Yeah, um, first, thank you uh, for the plug and, and, the, and the kind words about episode one. I do hope people like it as much as I've enjoyed producing it. Um, look, being a staffer, as you know, Matt, um, and, and Paul, I'm sure as you observed with your staff, it is meaningful work, it's interesting, um, it is high intensity, And along the way, you get to have an impact uh, on on the trajectory of current events. You make great friends. uh, You you acquire great mentors. And so for me, the experience was life-changing. I just absolutely loved it. It treated me well. Um, And I have noticed that being a staffer actually gives you a lot of skills that are unique, particularly at that age. And I think some of the reasons are, number one, um, it's a public endeavor. Even though staffers are anonymous, you are feeding up to a principle where everything that they say and do is public, and that environment is antagonistic, right? Reporters are always watching Congressman Paul Hodes to find out what mistake he's going to make. The NRCC is intentionally trying to make Uh, you know, every Democrat in the House look bad. And we're trying to do the same, you know, to every uh, House Republican. So there is a really high premium on doing things 100% accurately um, and doing them well so that they're memorable and impactful. That's not an environment uh, that even many in the business world, as combative as the business world is, it's not every single day that, you know, Pepsi is launching, you know, something that is absolutely going to, you know, take a cut out of Coke, and yet on Capitol Hill, it is that antagonism happening every day actually sharpens one's edge and builds a lot of muscles. And the other thing I would just note: I interviewed. Uh, I'll break a little news here. Upcoming episode is with Steve Schmidt, um, and when I asked him his view of like why it's a good, you know, career, he said. At a very young age, you are given a lot of responsibility and you gotta make a lot of decisions and then be held accountable for those decisions. So whether you're managing an attorney general's race or mayor's race or whatever, you know, you're giving 25, 26, 27 year olds budgets and decision-making authority and they gotta do it right. And uh, that's like a a pressure speed cooker all in one um, to producing people that have great skills and have a lot of fun along the way.
0: You know, when I have talked to people about uh, what what it's like to be a member of Congress, they are often quite surprised when I say, oh, by the way, the country is run by 23 year olds. Um, The member of Congress really is a, a mouthpiece, but really we're just regurgitating what we what we're getting from our staff because they're running the show and they just tell us what to do and where to go and when to do it and we say okay and we do it and and i i I say that slightly tongue-in-cheek but only only slightly and you've really i think hit on this constructive antagonism uh that helps our political system uh, run. Sometimes, you know, a lot of people feel that it's flared into too much real antagonism instead of getting getting things done in the political back and forth. But we'll call it constructive antagonism. So, so here you are, you're, you've got all this experience, you're inviting folks to tell their stories on the podcast. Um, you know a lot of people really well, you're plugged in to everything in the world of politics. Is there anything that you found surprising? What what did you, found, what did you find surprising?
1: Yeah, one of the things that um, I find interesting, uh, and I don't know whether I knew this before or not, or whether it was part of a motivating you know uh, factor into why I wanted to talk to folks about their stories, uh, is you know everybody comes from somewhere. One of my guests is the scion of a very uh, well-known and successful business. And you know, after being in the business world, he then pursued a career in public service. Um, one of my guests uh, was raised by a single mom and you know, they only got by with government supports like rental assistance and food stamps. And they've both gotten into this world and had incredible impact. And when we announce them, you will know their names. Um, I think part of that is that like, there's just, there's, uh, uh, in campaigns and politics, there's more work than there are people. And once you get in, you can, you know, it, you can demonstrate through your actions and your smarts that you're worthwhile.
0: We're talking with Jim Papa, an old friend of Matt's and mine, who's a partner at top polling and communications firm, Global Strategy Group a highly experienced staffer in his own right who's got a new sensational podcast out called Staffer. It's a must listen. This is Off the Record. Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM. We're streamed live at nhtalkradio.com and podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. Please don't go away. We're going to be back in just a few with more Off the Record. We're back. It's Off the Record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes here on WKXL AM and FM streamed live over the interwebs at nhtalkradio.com for your binge listening pleasure. We're also podcast, Google, Stitcher, and iTunes so you can listen to us on your personal digital devices. We are speaking today with a great old friend of ours, Jim Papa, who when I first met him was helping Rahm Emanuel help me become a congressman. And let me tell you, that was quite a job. I was thrust into a world that I had never known. I had never set foot inside the Capitol before I was elected. I didn't know whether it was heads up or heads down. I somehow got myself elected president of the freshman class. And it was Rahm Emanuel and Jim that I turned to for Ed Feist. so Jim welcome back we're really happy to have you
1: thank you for having me it is uh, it's really a pleasure to be talking with you today
2: all right let me jump in and uh, I, I just want to turn back to the podcast one more time we won't we won't belabor it but I was hoping Jim you could just give our listeners just a taste a little preview of what they might expect when they go over and subscribe to the staffer podcast what's 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 not only say the best story you don't have to give away your best stuff but can, can you think of one of the best things that you've heard so far um, that, that people will will get when they when they listen to the pod
1: yeah um, well i do explore with people how they got to where they were you know and what the, and where they are today um, what their observations are about the job but of course we like to tell stories And one story that you will hear is a guest who was an assistant to the president, meaning they are the top of a function. Uh, In this case, it was the head of legislative affairs for President Obama. And she was the person who, when President Obama had a legislative issue, like that's who he turned to. Well, they are in the Oval Office um, whipping an important vote. So she's got the paperwork, right? And he's making phone calls. She sits down on the couch In the oval, which I'm sure you've all seen, you know, in the shots. And here's a big tear. And what she realizes is the back of her skirt has completely torn. And she just stays there. They continue working. But eventually the president's like, okay, uh, we're done here. And she realized she can't stand up. Um, they, they, you know, like she, she communicates this, but what follows, what follows is an incredible story, right? Of determination, of grit, of teamwork coming together to like save the day, because that was not, I'll just tell you, that was not like the last thing she had to do that day. And she didn't run home and and change clothes. So there was like, there were other, another solution was found and people had to contribute to that. So
0: there. Oh man. Oh man. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that's really that the 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 behind the scenes look at what it takes to run a country. Safety pins and tape. <laughs> so uh I, I let's talk for a, a little bit about your own experience as a staffer. You worked for uh, for my friends. You worked for um uh my former colleague Rosa DeLauro in communications. You were chief of staff to Rush Holt uh who for people who either don't know or may have forgotten is an actual scientist. He's a physicist working in Congress. He, you know, I mean, he is, he is a, a, a real brainy guy. And, and then you worked for Rahm Emanuel. Now, the stories about Rahm are legendary. He was the third ranking Democrat in the House. Um, he was largely responsible for the strategy For getting members elected in the toughest seats and keeping them there, especially uh, in the historic class of 2006, where uh, when we were elected to a majority in the House, Democrats hadn't been in the majority since 1994, if I'm correct. And as I recall, 70% of the people I came in to serve with had never experienced what it was like to be in the majority. So in addition to getting us there, there was also this huge lift on 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 actual work on on uh, legislation in in the in an amount that that was unprecedented in congressional history and you then you went on to work in the White House. So you have experience being in Congress from every angle. But let's talk about what it was like to be responsible for helping dumb freshmen like me. Now, I say dumb because I was an accidental congressman. I came into Congress and I was serving with people who had actual experience. They'd been governors or they'd been state senate presidents or they'd been something. And I walked in, I walked in goggle-eyed, blearied, um, never having never having really even been in Washington, I got myself elected to Congress. Now I adapted pretty quickly, but that was because you and Rom and guys like Matt Robeson helped me. So it's a total whirlwind. The pressure comes on immediately. Now there was a group of us who were talking about writing a book about the freshman class. I recall that you and uh, Matt uh, and Rom. Uh, And a few other people talked us out of that one because uh, we didn't want the stories out at the time. But now we're all safely gone. And you can tell our listeners what people might not realize about what it means to be a new member of Congress from the point of view of somebody who was was like the shepherd with his sheep and you'd come out in the morning with your crook and find that the sheep had wandered off to the far edges of the pasture and you had to somehow collect them and redirect them towards some kind of productive constructive group that could get something done. How did you do that?
1: You know uh uh first of all you're selling yourself short uh you and many of your colleagues, even those who had not served in public office had a, you know, much more political acumen than uh, you give yourself credit for. But the, you know, being a member of Congress, <clears throat> the moment you're elected, you think like I'm at the, the, at the summit, right? Like w- this thing we've been working toward, we've just done it. Let's all raise our hands in victory, take a deep breath and get some rest and think about the future. And Unfortunately, that is not at all what happens. I I remember um, on election night, Rom called me and was like, I need you to call every single person who's won and begin talking to them, you know, congratulate them, but begin talking to them about their staff, like who they're going to hire uh, for their Washington staff because that may not be who their campaign staff is. so the very next day, you know, we, were having, we were recommending people go out there and thank voters. You know, go someplace in front of a stop and shop and, and start thanking people. you got to call all of your you know, campaign supporters. Thank them. You need to be thinking about, well, what committees you know, am I supposed to be on? I'm, I'm doing Washington in a couple of weeks for orientation oh, all these people are calling me now, they're leadership elections. I got to cast a vote in this caucus election for who needs to be our leader and our whip and our caucus chair and how many positions are there? Um, Plus, as I mentioned, you got to hire staff. uh, You've got to explore some real estate for your district offices. You've got to figure out how the departing member and all the constituent service backlog that they're not gonna get to gets transferred to you because in early January, Those are people who are desperately in need of your help now, and you don't really know yet how that federal bureaucracy is supposed to work yet, you know, to like help them. So all of these things need to be uh, figured out. And I tried, you know, my role at that time was to facilitate almost all of that, right? So to make hiring a little easier, to help you think through all the ways things can go sideways. Um, it's all you know, and one of the easiest ways that things go sideways. You mentioned how hard it is to be a member of Congress, and Rush Holt described being a member of Congress as being a television set where somebody else changes the channel every five minutes, and that. And I think that's right, um, which means there's no focus. It,
0: by the way, I used to call it Hollywood East. I
1: still do. Yeah, right. There's there's an element of that too. Um, they and and so, but as a result, you might not have focus. And you have to be really disciplined at the outset for what it is you want to say about yourself, how you, how you actually marry up the campaign promises and what people voted for with now who you are as Congressman and that begins with, well, what's your first speech on the floor about? What is the first bill you're going to co-sponsor? What is the first bill you're going to introduce as your own? That type of you know, execution doesn't happen in mid-January, that's got to start in mid-November. Um, plus, there are all sorts of things that go wrong. And I know, I know. Uh, fortunately, you did not step in it like some of your colleagues. but oh, you, there don't, were-
0: you, you don't know the half of it. Let me tell you, <laughs> because before Robeson came on to guide me, to guide me to some semblance of, of success, I stepped in it. I stepped in it from the beginning by not following the good advice I got. Um, I didn't, I hired my campaign manager as my first chief of staff. I spent, I don't know, five months wandering in the wilderness trying to figure out why things felt so awful. Um, And then Robeson came in and as a really brilliant staffer, righted the ship. Um, So so it's it's a tough, it's tough. Yeah, everybody needs that.
1: Uh, I mean, to really succeed, I mean, breaking through as, a, as an elected official in your local media markets and you know, the Washington uh, media markets so that you can communicate to people who you are and what you're about is really hard. You know? And you've got to, it's not just about quote unquote staying on message. Uh, it is about finding those opportunities to um, prove that you are who you say you are. Do that relentlessly day in and day out. And if you're lucky after two years of doing that, successfully week in and week out, people will have an inkling and give you another shot.
2: But that's what you're- That's for. what's really amazing. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I think this goes back to something you were saying earlier about you know, you're always under the microscope. You're always under the lens. Everything you're doing is in that public Petri dish. And you know, I, I wanna go back to something, I, I did an interview with you two and a half years ago and th- th- you you gave me a quote that really stuck with me. I'm going to quote you back to you, Jim. Um, you said, every day there's an opportunity for an error, for a wrong vote, or some sort of mistake that will end up in a television ad with millions of dollars behind it, holding you accountable for something in the last weeks of your campaign. And it's, it's, I, that, to me, captures the quintessential experience of being a member like Paul in one of these contested seats where you are going to have that experience and being a staffer with that responsibility, um, your whole job. So it's not just that the performance of your job, can you imagine in in other jobs in society, if not only were you being watched at all times, you were being watched by people who were antagonistic to your success, who were rooting for your failure. Um, So, you know, I think one of the things that I learned from you was what goes into being a successful staffer is that constant scan for threats and opportunities. Um, you're always looking out for what's that thing that will come back to bite you at the end, or what is that thing that you can uh, inject into the public consciousness that will help you politically and also do some good for the people you represent? Is that, is that right? Is that a fair characterization of the approach that you Uh, 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 mentor to other people when you advise other people about how to be good in their staff jobs? Is is that that basically on?
1: Absolutely. So proactively, I was um, always demanding that my colleagues um, and the members were developing plans and executing plans proactively that aligned the functions of the congressional office to drive the values um, and, and the proof points that, those elected officials like to say about themselves. And you, you, know, you could pick three adjectives that you wanna say about yourself and three accomplishments. All of your proactive energy needs to be spent, almost all that, on those. Um, but then scanning for opportunities, right? Opening up the newspaper every day and saying, how can I bring a federal solution to this local problem, national problem? What's my role here? What can I do? And do it in a way that illustrates those values. And, and in terms of risk avoidance, Look, I, I'm a big believer in like if you're planning something, all the risk is in like the last 12 inches of the plan. So you know, let's not overreach. Let's do something smart, something as easy as a town hall in New Hampshire. You have such a great uh, you know uh, tradition of town halls. Well, something that I learned was if you have kids uh, come give the pledge of the Alleg- uh, pledge of allegiance at the beginning, the adults behave better. So why not? invite the Cub Scout troop or whatever to come do that, then instead of maybe having four cranks yelling at you, you've only got one. Um, Or all of them behave, you know, in accordance with decorum. It's things like that, that do make a lot of difference, especially when trackers are recording you, hoping that you'll react poorly, and then put it online.
0: It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson here on WKXL. We're talking with Jim Papa, our old friend, partner at top polling and communications firm Global Strategy Group, and staffer extraordinaire in the House, in the Senate, in the White House, the guy who knows how to make members of Congress do their job and do it well. We'll be right back after this with more Off the Record. Don't go away. We're back. It's Off The Record with Matt Rubison and Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM Streams, live over the internet at nhtalkradio.com. And we're also now a podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. We're talking with Jim Papa, our old friend from congressional days, who is a partner at the top polling and communications firm Global Strategy Group, and has served in the House and the Senate, as a senior advisor to Rahm Emanuel, as assistant to the president for legislative affairs in the Obama White House. He is a guy who knows how the intricacies of the world of politics in DC work, and we are happy to have him. Jim, welcome back.
1: Thank you, it's great to be
0: here. So nowadays in politics, um, there is so much more information communication channels, competition for content, money in campaigns. I mean, when I was running, it was, imagine this before Google, before iPhones, before iPads, before Zoom, before before everything i mean did you run in the
1: eisenhower administration
0: i i actually um i, I <laughs> ran in the administration of um of uh, franklin pierce uh, <laughs> president franklin franklin pierce it was it was you know i mean we 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 got on our horses we rode <laughs> to congress it took days and days and days <laughs> to get there so of course we never left but the uh, the malaria down in the swamp was was even worse than it is today in those days, but, but things have actually changed. Now, some of those things are tools, of course, but there are also obstacles to navigate around. Do you think being a member of Congress has gotten any easier? Is it harder? Um, and what about a staff, being a staffer these days, being one of those 20-somethings who's actually running the country? Have, have the new tools um, of the last decade made it easier or harder?
1: Yeah, I I would say, um, overall, I think it's harder, both uh, being a member and being a staffer. That's something that not every member of Congress may realize, by the way. We were talking about kind of the frontline experience, meaning those Democrats, you know, and Republicans who have really tough races. You know, most uh, elected officials in the House and in the Senate are safely reelected. And as a result, they actually don't have the experience of constantly being under this pressure. Um as for like the pace of things, you know, I I mentioned earlier the description that Rush Holt gave of being a TV set where somebody else changes the channel every 5 minutes. Maybe that's outdated. You know, maybe it's where somebody changes the channel every 10 seconds. Um you know, if you're a staffer today, you need to know what is flowing on Twitter and whether your boss needs to be like part of that conversation if something's being said about the boss. Um it, you know, it's not a 24-hour news cycle now. It's like a 24-minute news cycle. So I do think all of that intensity has only been dialed up. Um, the only upside of that is, you know, controversies do burn out faster. So something bad that may have lasted a week before probably lasts a couple of days now. Um, I guess the other thing I would say that, that uh, just the overall governing um, challenge is Washington is in this bad habit right now of governing only by crisis. And so we pass big bills when there's a big deadline or something awful that might happen. Or in you know, the case of a pandemic, something you know, global that requires a massive response. Um, that makes it hard to demonstrate your value. If you are, you know, what you wanna be as a member is like getting your amendment into the transportation bill that's moving you know, at a regular time. Um, you wanna be able to you know, take a piece of any one of these bills and have your impact on it. When those bills aren't moving regularly, it's a lot harder to, you know, shape them and to demonstrate to folks that you are fighting for all the things that you said you were going to fight for.
2: So I, I, I want to ask you, I mean, you've worked for some legendary figures uh, in the last, you know, quarter century of American politics, historically in American politics. Before I do, I just have to go back to something so super smart that you said a few minutes ago about the level of attention to detail, thinking about something like having a kid, say the Pledge of Allegiance, if you're going to have a town hall, it just put me in mind of when I became, actually Paul's chief of staff, when I became a chief of staff for the first time, I'd been a deputy chief of staff. I asked my former boss, you know, well, what, what are the tips? What are the tricks? He couldn't answer that question succinctly because it turned out that the, the the trick is all of it. It's all of the little details, all of of the attention to sort of the painstaking. You know, he brought up like, Find out every member of the state legislature's birthday and make sure that there's a handwritten note from your member to them, which is something that we, we tried to do for, for Paul. It's a million small things. and I think that that's one of the reasons why it's actually possible for 20-somethings to do this job, because it doesn't require um, a PhD. You don't have to be Rush Holt. What it requires is commitment, intelligence, uh, you know, attention to detail. Anyway... That is a sidebar. I'm off my soapbox. Let's talk Rahm Emanuel. Rahm Emanuel is truly legendary. Um, He is uh, aggressive, hard edged. He he once sent a dead fish uh, wrapped in newspaper to uh, a vanquished opponent. Maybe that's apocryphal. He uh, had his middle finger half cut off in a teenage accident, which President Obama famously said rendered him uh, functionally mute. (laughs) Um, And then you've got this contrast. You then went from working for Rom, um, who is like, you know, politics on 11, to working for President Obama, who is legendarily cerebral, thoughtful, strategic, tireless, Um, you know, without, you know, giving away uh, any trade secrets. What was it like working for Rom?
0: Yeah, certainly.
2: and working for Barack.
0: So just before Jim tells us that. Go, go go ahead. I'm going to, I have to throw in my one one quick ROM story. It was in the last week of the, of my successful campaign in 2006. And I'm going to try to say this without getting us thrown off the air. So I'm in a car. I just uh, addressed a big crowd at a college. It looked, it felt very successful. You know, I I had no idea how things were going to come down. My, the phone rings. And I pick it up, Paul. Yeah, it's wrong. Okay, don't f it up. Excuse me, don't f it up. Uh, okay, call your effing mother and tell her you're not going to f it up because I just put six fi- um, uh, 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 how many? How many is that? Seven. I just. I put a seven, million and a half. I just put seven figures on you in Boston. So if you f it up, I'm coming for you. Got it? Yes. Boom. <laughs> click. That was. That was and great.
1: I would just like to point out, that's a good news call. That's
0: right. <laughs> that's,
1: that's how he ahead. delivered the good news. That's right. <laughs> um, look, uh Comparing and, to, and contrasting uh, you know, those two, the uh, President Obama and Rahm is like you know, very different. I also don't want to overstate how closely I worked with the President. I certainly had exposure to him, and um, when he was engaging with the seventy-five or eighty-five members who were assigned to me, we were in close proximity, and I would you know brief him up. He would have conversations. They would be brought to the Oval or on Air Force One or whatever. So I would be a, you know a participant there, but I was not the highest uh, you know on the highest rung there. Um with Rom, look, I worked closely with him for five years, uh, the first couple of years on the Hill when he was caucus chairman and then at the White House. And I guess I would describe it as, you know, batting practice with Ted Williams every day. I mean, it was a real blessing to be able to um, learn from and actively participate with someone who is the absolute, you know, top, you know, 1% of the 1%, and his intensity, of course, drove me. So I was a chief of staff prior to, you know, immediately prior to being uh, in this position for ROM, and like, I knew my stuff really well. I just had to, you know, now multiply it times 35. I had to know what was going on in 35 different districts. I needed to know their polling, their media markets, what counties they needed to spend time with, with, what they were planning for their upcoming district, you know, schedules, where they were with their legislative program. How were, you know, what do they have with their earned media plans? I mean, I had to know everything, to your point, Matt, everything. And then there was the incoming of like, somebody says something stupid. Somebody takes a bad vote. Somebody, right? Like things happen and we needed to manage that. And just working with him was phenomenal. He loved, loved, loved your class, Paul. That was the class of 06 that helped us take back the house for the first time since 94, as you said. Um, And so he, you know, getting you all reelected in 2008 was a labor of love. So we talked all the time and he made me better at what I do. And I, I also will say kind of the third component here is like actually working with the chiefs of staff and the members made me better. You know, I mean, I wasn't—I didn't have every answer. I wasn't the only one talking. I learned a lot from that group of people and we solved problems together. And that's why it was such, you know, uh, a lot of magic in, the, in that two year period from all directions.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really lucky because um, I, I will just give a kudo and I don't wanna embarrass my co-host, Matt Robeson, but here we are uh, years later working together um, uh, and we've worked together on a number of, of different things, some successful, some less successful, but having a lot of fun on the radio show. And and I've got to say that a a good chief of staff can save a member of Congress. And certainly, uh, in my case, that's what happened. Uh, Robeson came to the interview um, for me with a six-pack of Dr. Brown's cell ray. Uh, tonic, which is why he got the job. But it turned out he's a master of he was a master of detail, and and was able to keep me with my kind of uh, off the top of the brain style. He was able to keep me keep me in line. Um, it, you know, in a way, um, uh, President Obama was much more cerebral than than Rom Emmanuel. It was a real contrast in in styles, but. Before, before we go, we have about four four minutes left. I, I, we've got to pick your brain uh, because uh, here we got, we've got you. And you are, you know, you're a top communications political strategy expert. And Global Strategy is one of the top fo- polling firms out there. We're 60 days out from election. In that 60 days with so many things that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and Democrats could say or could focus on. What are the two things that you'd move up to the top of the Democrats' to-do list in terms of communication or strategy? What are the two things, or or if not the very top, gotta move them up in the pecking order to 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 make bring this thing home?
1: Yeah, um, we do a ton of polling for Democrats and causes all across the country. We actually do more polling for Democrats at the federal level than any other polling firm. There is one client we have where our research is public. It's called navigatorresearch.org. So people can go there and we are regularly putting out polling memos. Um, Top three issues that people care about right now. Coronavirus at 61% economy and jobs. And followed by healthcare. And all three of those obviously are now tangled in a way that they've never been. We used to consider economy and jobs different from healthcare. N- not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, a tranche below that top three, you've got Social Security and Medicare, race relations, wages, cost of living. And for Democrats, among Democratic voters, climate change is also up there. The name of the game here is. Um, talking enough about issues that really matter to your Democratic base that they perform you know, very, very well. They want to come to the polls and you are communicating to that uh, swing center vote uh, on the issues that they care about in those swing states that are going to determine the election so that they uh, come over. I would say based on the point that I'm looking at, um, the one thing that Democrats could uh Uh, modify about their messaging is the ordering around economy and jobs. So um, voters are critical of Republicans for uh, not saying enough or doing enough or taking seriously enough the pandemic. Um, Likewise with climate change, where voters need to hear a little more from Democrats is economy and jobs. We get much higher marks on those other things than we do on economy and jobs. Obviously it is, as I said, these are all tangled just in how we are addressing things, what they're hearing is we are very focused on getting the pandemic under control, making sure that people have uh, the care that they need, and you know have the basics. But they haven't; it hasn't yet broken through on the restart the economy. And I think uh, Biden's message of uh, "build back better" is actually a great message. That is exactly you know what people need to hear more of. So it would just be a matter of emphasis. Um, in my opinion.
0: Well, Jim Papa, thank you for joining us on Off the Record here on WKXL AM and FM. We've been talking with Jim Papa, top strategist uh, at the Global Strategy Group and staffer extraordinaire to members of Congress, members of the Senate, and in the White House, it's been great. Thank you so much for being here. It has uh, been great to be here. Let me just say, he's got a new podcast. Jim Papa's podcast is called Staffer, and you've got to listen to it because it will take you behind the scenes with the stories of the people who are really running the country, the 22-year-olds that members of Congress really count on. So don't go away, folks. Matt Robeson and I will be back in just a moment to wrap up. back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes and Matt Robeson on WKxLA and FM streaming live over the internet at NHtalkradio.com podcast on Google, Stitcher, and iTunes. Well, Matt Robeson, as they say in radio, using both your names. Well, Matt Robeson, Jim Papa, using both his names, was really something. I, I have to say that there may have been nobody who I met in Congress who had more to do with keeping me on the straight and narrow and whatever success I had and we had as a team than Jim Papa, who was working for Rahm Emanuel, who made sure that we took advantage of everything we could take advantage of and tried to keep us from stepping in it day after day after day.
2: I hope that if people take anything away from listening to this show and hopefully to Jim's podcast, it's that if you're younger in your career, you're thinking about what direction to go in, you really can make a difference. Um, if you're thinking about maybe getting into government, maybe getting into politics, it's, it's sometimes portrayed in a negative way in media. It's not, I mean, there are elements that aren't great, but, but it's not like that. It's actually, it's a place where you can do something that matters and it's incredibly exciting. And I hope people got a sense of that listening to Jim today
0: it's off the record with Matt Robeson and Paul Hodes on WKXL thanks to our sponsors who keep this great station on the air thanks to all of you for listening we'll be back next week with another edition of Off the Record see you folks